Welcome to the We Serve podcast of Government Policy Real Estate and You. I'm Liz Recchia, Government Affairs Director of We Serve Realtors, a local association of realtors and real estate industry businesses serving West Maricopa County, Southeast Maricopa County, Pinal, Cochise, and Santa Cruz in Arizona. And this is your quick update for today. Since our last podcast, a lot has taken place. We Serve continues to meet with cities, towns, and counties regarding housing and housing solutions. I was able to attend the AAED State Conference in late April. AAED is the Arizona Association of Economic Development. Not only do economic development directors from across the state attend, but participants in various sectors of the economy attend as well. It is a fascinating group of municipal decision makers, state agency members, and private sector businesses all engaged in one facet or the other of economic development. As part of the conference, I facilitated a workshop that was more facilitated discussion than presentation. I divided the group into geographical areas of similar housing concerns and economic development. What was clear was that Wage earners across the state making between $45,000 a year gross and $95,000 a year gross make up the majority of people seeking housing, and that entry-level housing product is few and far between. What was also apparent is the government concentration on affordable housing product, that being government-funded housing programs. These are low-income housing products and do nothing to help wage earners. The other part of the discussion revolved around non-government-financed, move-up housing being the housing most often built, rental or purchase, particularly in Maricopa County and Pinal and Pima. The truth is wage earners earning $45,000 a year to $95,000 a year gross live on considerably less take-home or net income. Usually that net income looks more like $43,000 a year to $80,000 a year. For a rental property to be easily affordable by these households, rents need to be no more than 25 to 30% of the household net income. That means rents in the $850 a month to $1,800 a month range. For purchase product, the price point varies depending upon down payment and interest, but here is a sample of price points if we only consider principal and interest payments. $250,000 house with 10% down at 5% interest would equal a $1,125 a month P&I payment. That same $250,000 house with 10% down at 6.7% interest would equal a $1,535 a month P&I payment. Follow those payment assumptions and the max price point for this group of wage earners becomes $375,000. At $375,000 and 10% down at 5% interest, the P&I payment would be about $1,811 a month. That same $375,000 house with 10% down at 6.7% interest would have a $2,261 a month P&I payment. The discussion also brought forward conversations we serve has had with both municipalities and builders. Municipalities tell us the builders have no entry-level product. Builders tell us cities and towns don't want entry-level product, but they do build that product. It would appear there is a miscommunication between the two. Lots of people make lots of assumptions, 
But here is a fact realtors and lenders know. At some point, there are not enough offsets to allow a seller to sell or a property owner to rent for more money than the buyer or tenant can afford in their budget. I can't tell you how many times builders and local governments have told me buyers and tenants don't want entry-level housing. And yet we know they can and will accept well-crafted, simple housing that fits nicely into their budget. Some of the housing tools and alternatives we discussed as examples were ADU housing, small courtyard-style housing, subdivisions built as rent-to-own housing, using the tool of land lease, manufactured and modular homes, and other methods to provide good, solid, entry-level housing. Some of these homes will have carports instead of garages, some will have vinyl flooring instead of hardwood, and some will have laminate countertops. Floor plans will be simple but efficient. And what do we bring to the conversation? A long-term viewpoint, pointing both backwards and forwards. We help people buy, sell, and rent homes built over the past 130 years. And we help people buy, sell, and rent homes being built today that will be part of our housing stock for the next 150 years. Entry-level buyers today purchase and rent and live in the homes that were built as entry-level housing 60, 80, and 100 years ago. So it stands to reason they will purchase or rent similar housing built today. We serve hopes to help local cities and towns connect their entry-level housing needs for their wage earners with builders, small, medium, and large, who can provide that housing. As a member, if you or someone you know is a developer or builder of entry-level housing, please let me know. At the Arizona State Legislature, we have been seeing attempts to preempt local zoning over the past three years. But this year, it has really ramped up. Mostly, the discussion revolves around affordable government program housing. The perplexing part of the various legislative proposals is their non-sequitur nature. Here are a few examples. 1. Proposed bills that would no longer allow a city or town to designate where residential development could be built. This, of course, means cities and towns who have adopted zoning and are mandated by state law to produce a voter-approved general plan with a public review, a key element of the planning, would be in conflict with the law itself. When zoning was allowed by state law 100 years ago, it was to promote community health, welfare, reduce traffic congestion, encourage infrastructure planning, and provided the ability for local government to design communities with safer neighborhoods. No more residential areas with slaughterhouses, smokestacks, or tall office buildings looming over one-story houses. Zoning has allowed communities to designate commercial and agricultural areas so business and commerce needs no longer encroach on residential needs and wants. By mandating only builders can decide where and what kind of residential may be built and removing public review, the zoning tool becomes broken and no longer functions as it was designed. Two. State legislation that tries to mandate setbacks, driveways, garages, and other specific elements of housing. Some of the bills I've read require cities and towns to not have minimum driveway size. And those same bills set the max required driveway length at 10 feet. Have you measured your car, SUV, truck, or minivan? Camrys are 16 feet long. SUVs, trucks, and minivans are longer, with 20 feet being common. 
Shouldn't a city or town be allowed to require driveways to be able to contain common vehicles? Some of the garage requirements would mean a Camry and minivan could not occupy the same double garage, it being too narrow. And don't even think about two trucks or an SUV in a truck in the same garage. Three, state legislation that seeks to take away a local community's ability to require streets wide enough for an on-street parking in two directions and the ability of emergency delivery and other vehicles to traverse the street. At the same time, in the same piece of legislation, there's a prohibition of mandated off-street parking. These are all issues WeServe has provided input to cities and towns. We know what it's like to sell or rent property when people can't park in their driveway or garage because it's too small. We know what it's like to sell or rent properties in complexes of very narrow streets and inadequate on-site parking. We know that people will buy or rent housing with these and other inadequacies in low inventory times. And we know when the market comes back to normal or there's a recession, these units are very difficult to sell or rent. All you have to do is speak with renters in apartment buildings with too few parking spaces in Phoenix or Tempe. These residents have to park their cars a couple of blocks from their unit. They are unhappy people and the surrounding neighborhoods are not thrilled either. It is in fact time consuming to interact with each individual city and town. It takes time and effort to bring input from our members who live and work in the community. But we bring a viewpoint that spans over a century and we want housing of today to be desirable in 100 years. From WeServe's vantage point, zoning should be left to the communities that choose to adopt it. If there is a concern that the balance between private property rights and the community's needs for planning is out of balance, then that conversation needs to be had at the local level. Voters adopt zoning, voters approve city plans, and voters can vote to not have zoning. But breaking the zoning tool and not allowing public input doesn't help the community or the residents. Speaking of city codes, the city of Chandler's updating several of its codes. You can read the proposed changes and learn more at www.weservegad.org. The cities of Surprise and Peoria are seeking public input on housing needs in the community. Even if you missed the April meetings and surveys, you can still provide input by visiting the city websites. In November of 2022, voters in the Douglas INA voted to convert to an AMA. This is the first new AMA created since the original AMAs in the 1980 Groundwater Act. The important item for those in the Douglas INA with water rights is to secure those grandfathered water rights in the new AMA. The application to preserve grandfathered water rights is due March 1, 2024. If the application is not received by that deadline, water rights will be relinquished forever. Also of importance, the Douglas AMA is larger than the INA. AMAs follow the basin. INAs do not. As a result, property owners not inside the Douglas INA may now be part of the Douglas AMA. Your clients can find maps, the application to maintain grandfathered water rights, and more information on www.weservegad.org. Click on City News to find the blog post. Douglas AMA, preserve your grandfathered water rights. There you will find a timeline, map links, and other information. Government Affairs at WeServe. 
Our next Government Affairs Orientation and Committee meeting are on June 7th. The orientation will be from 9.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. at our Peoria office. The Government Affairs meeting will be immediately following at 10.30 a.m. You may attend these meetings in person or via Zoom. Go to weservegad.org or to weserve.realtor to register to attend in person or via Zoom. At our June meetings, we will be discussing updates from our Water Issues Task Force, our New Build Task Force, and our STR, Short-Term Rental Task Force. We will also begin our discussion of topics and issues we wish to present at the August Arizona Realtors Caucus. What issues or concerns does WeServe wish to bring forward to AR for consideration in the 2024 legislative session? Bring your thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. All WeServe members are welcome to attend and participate in these discussions. I'm Liz Recchia. Thanks for joining me today. I hope to see you at our June 7th Government Affairs Orientation and Committee meetings. We Serve GAD, advocating for private property rights, the right to private contract, and your business. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.